Emma and welcome to the Hopes and Dreams podcast. The journey to parenthood isn't always easy. For many, fertility can be one of life's greatest challenges. And in this podcast, we'll be talking to people with all different types of journeys, including stories of loss and grief, but also, and most importantly, of strength and hope. We'll talk openly about different experiences to provide you with advice, support and coping strategies and hopefully some comfort and to help you feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Kelly Hunter. Uh, Kelly and I connected via Instagram, which has been fantastic. Kelly's account is youmeandp. Uh, While she shares beautiful pics of her home in Norfolk, and that's one of the reasons I was drawn to her account, because that's where I grew up and where my parents still live, and I I love Norfolk, so it's sort of a taste of home for me. She also shares her cute miniature Dachshund, Peanut, and her even cuter five-month-old Patrick, or Patch as she calls him. But what also and most importantly drew me to, to Kelly's account is that she talks so openly and honestly about recurrent loss, She, like me, has angel babies. Kelly has three angel babies. And she talks about how tough that was through her pregnancy with Patch as well. You know, anxiety and all that comes with it. So we're going to talk in this episode about recurrent loss and the impact it has long term. And the fact that even after you get, you know, you get your rainbow, like Kelly and I are both blessed to have, things are still tough. The The long-lasting impact of miscarriage and recurrent loss is still there, and I think that's something that people don't talk about enough. Uh, thanks so much, Kelly, for coming on today to share your experiences and also sort of give your experience and advice about how you navigate it all. And But let's start, let's wind it back a little bit and start at the beginning about when you and your husband started you know trying for a baby what what happened with that that first loss um so it was back in 2018 and um I was never sure that I kind of wanted to be a mum it was something that my husband desperately wanted to be a dad and we were in India um on holiday and something just clicked and I decided I think I'm ready now I think it's, it's my time I've I've had fun we've had nice holidays, this, that, and the other. So, um, when we got back, we, um, decided we'd start trying for a baby. And I'd always had this kind of weird feeling that I wouldn't be able to have children, something that kind of sat in the back of my mind. But, um, when I I came off the pill and I actually fell pregnant straight away and it was a complete surprise. And I don't know, once you find out you're pregnant and you kind of get in this little bubble, I think, and, um we we just we knew the statistics of miscarriage but we never thought that it would happen for us I say we never thought in the two weeks that um I actually carried our first baby we went on walks and we talked about kind of our future with our baby and how happy we were and um yeah I just think we were in this little bubble of pregnancy and happiness that lots of people get to experience but not experience the loss and two weeks later, it was three days before Christmas, I started bleeding. Um, and I was with my mum, Josh was at his Christmas meal um, with his work. And my mum said, oh, kind of, I've had a little Google, it's quite normal. It'll probably stop overnight, but it didn't, it got worse. And by the morning, I'd kind of, I'd, mis- I'd miscarried our baby. Um, 
and then you just don't know what to do um no one tells you what to do when you have a miscarriage so we I called 111 and they kind of didn't have any advice so we actually went to A&E who sent me to the early pregnancy unit for a scan who um, confirmed that there wasn't a baby anymore and that I had had a miscarriage um, so that, that that was our first miscarriage and our first experience um, you don't yeah. you don't know you're in shock I remember for my first one as well I was just like what is happening to me mm. I just couldn't believe that my mum my mum had an experience loss so I obviously knew it that it happened but I never expected it's crazy to think well just because my mum didn't have it but I mm. I just I remember the same and you don't know what to do you sort of go through and you're waiting for a bit of support and to be told and sometimes that always isn't always there and no, uh, it's not and yeah you just don't know what to do no one says oh if you have a miscarriage you just you, you kind of stay at home I think that's what is ex- not expected of you but that's what people do they you don't know what to do do you go to hospital because there's nothing that they can do for you but you might not be bleeding for that reason then there, there could be other reasons so it, it's really hard to know what to do but I went to hospital and I'm glad that I did because that meant that my miscarriage was recorded on the hospital system um, which helped later after my three miscarriages getting my tests because I know people who who don't have kind of a miscarriage recorded that 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 miscarriage doesn't count towards their tests so I, I was glad that I went Mm. yeah and we're going to talk about that in a bit in terms of having to wait for a certain period before you can get tested which is Mm -hmm. crazy and also we'll come back actually to it being around Christmas time because we also have that in common I Mm. I had one of my losses um on New Year's Day um so in terms of what that means and we're obviously coming up to Christmas and what 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 that means in terms of um being a sort of trigger point um for you Mm-hmm. and and so before we talk about that though um you obviously tried again um and you've talked about you sadly went on to have another you've had another two losses after that first yeah. one mm-hmm. can you talk about what happened with those and were they different was it I mean each each sort of miscarriage is a different scenario but did anything happen differently for you for the second and third yeah so we after um, we lost our first baby, we were kind of advised, oh, wait three months or three cycles to try again. So um, that's what I did. Um, my cycle was very long. So it was about f- four or five months before we could start trying again. And for a whole year, just nothing happened. I didn't fall pregnant again. Um, we were obviously desperately trying, wanting another baby. Um, and then almost a year to the day later I fell pregnant again so it was around Christmas time in 2019 um, that I fell pregnant for the second time Um, this time was a little bit different Um, obviously I was way more anxious I was expecting to kind of lose the baby again just everything I think once you've experienced your first loss you're always checking for blood tens 20 30 40 50 times a day I was um, every time you go to the toilet you're just expecting to be bleeding um, so I called um, my doctors and said is there any way that I can get like an early scan at the hospital and they were actually very kind and referred me to the early pregnancy unit who gave me a scan at six weeks and so my husband and I went 
and there was this was on um new year's eve as well there was a heartbeat and um yeah we thought that everything was was going well um obviously it was a good sign the sonographer told me that it was a good sign that there was a heartbeat and so she said oh we'll see you back in two weeks so two weeks passed and I decided to take my mum with us this time as well because I thought that she would love love to be there um the son of the song sonographer was quite an experienced one so she said she was going to try and scan through my tummy which is obviously um in early pregnancy they normally scan you internally but um she took her time and she said oh can you actually go and empty your bladder and we'll do an internal one and um yeah she she kind of did that and it turned out that the our baby had stopped growing shortly after our our six week scan the heartbeat had stopped and obviously it was uh, our baby was still still inside me I'd had a miss miscarriage which I didn't really know was a thing um no one especially people don't really talk about miscarriage but people certainly don't talk about missed miscarriage I don't think and I hadn't heard of it and so in that moment I was given some options as to what to do um those options were I could go home and see if my body would pass pass our baby in the coming weeks or I could have one of two procedures um, a medical management one which involves taking a tablet and then going home for two days and coming back and you're given another tablet in the hospital and you basically wait to pass your baby in the hospital or I could have surgery so I opted to have a medical management procedure um so I took the tablets there and then in the hospital and I came back two days later my husband was allowed to be with me and I basically sat in a a hospital room all day waiting to pass my baby which was one of the most traumatic things I think that I've ever had to do because there's a there's a they put a bedpan in the in the toilet in the hospital um in your room and yeah you're just waiting waiting for that moment and it's hard because you want it to happen so you can just go home and move on but at the same time you don't want it to happen because you're going through this awful thing that no one should have to go through and eventually at about 4 p.m I pass my baby and they keep you in for a couple of hours monitor you then you get to go home which I did um unfortunately um a couple of weeks later I was still testing positive so I had to go back to the hospital and it turns out I'd had retained tissue from the pregnancy which meant that I hadn't passed all of my baby or the tissues that were surrounding my baby so at this time I could have the same procedure again or have surgery so I chose to have surgery which is otherwise known as a scrape um so I went in under general anaesthetic and had the quite a quick procedure but obviously I didn't know much about it my husband was was in the hospital with me as well waiting for me to come out of theatre and so that one went quite smoothly and I kind of went home and prepared to move on to to try again my way of kind of dealing with it is I, I just want to be pregnant again straight away and that's the thing though isn't it you deal with it differently I yeah. was I was the opposite I've I've had to have big gaps between my my losses but then I look back and I'm having just turned 40 I'm like have I wasted time but in mm. my head I just couldn't and it's just everyone's different aren't they with how they can 
how they want to move forward with it. And I'm just so sorry you've had these losses too. And when you're explaining about being in the hospital and waiting, it's it's so horrible. Mm. That clinical waiting for your... I, I found it traumatic having to yeah. see the baby pass in a bedpan, yeah. you know, basically in a toilet. Yeah, um, it's awful. Nothing can yeah like you can't unsee it but you, I, I just couldn't not look either no you no, because you have to see it to acknowledge it I was exactly the same when I had um a medical procedure when when I my last one back a year ago I had to look at it and I know yeah. some people are like, why would you look but because that was my baby and I need to honor it by looking at I it know, and cherishing yeah. it for the very few seconds I'm able to mm-hmm. look at it definitely yeah it's yeah no one should have to have to do that no it's it's horrendous yeah, truly truly awful then you you obviously tried again mm-hmm. um and you, you sadly had yet another loss mm-hmm. um but even worse still that that you know during covid where you couldn't you couldn't have your husband with you no and the early pregnancy unit wasn't seeing so this time I started bleeding at home but it wasn't kind of a normal like it wasn't a heavy bleed or anything it was like here and there um and it was in quite quite early on in covid so it was during may and um the early pregnancy unit were only seeing people who um had potential eptopics so i tried to speak to my midwife who kind of brushed me off a little bit and said oh i'm sure everything's fine like statistically it's not going to happen again um but i will try and get you a dating scan at the hospital because of my irregular cycles she said oh we we technically don't know how how far along you are so we do need to find out um so a couple of weeks later I I should have been about nine weeks pregnant at this stage along I went into you know where women have their 12 week 20 week pre-ops um so I went in by myself and I kind of went up to the desk and the the lady on reception said to me oh have you got like your file this that and the other and I just said to her I don't think my baby's alive um I I was just standing there by myself in a room full of pregnant women and I kind of explained the situation to her and she just went and grabbed a midwife who kind of scooped me out of the room and they took me in for my scan which said that the baby hadn't grown past five weeks and obviously I expected to be around nine weeks pregnant at this point but because the baby hadn't reached the gestation where the heart would start beating they couldn't say that I'd technically lost the baby yet so I had to go back a week later to confirm that the baby hadn't grown which it had they hadn't um which I expected but I'll never forget having to walk out of the hospital by myself with my husband who was in the car park and and tell him what we already knew but it's more real once you know properly like I've seen it on the screen and we just cried in the car park and it it was just horrific absolutely horrific Mm. and the fact yeah that had to be in there by myself and the the early pregnancy unit just weren't allowed to see people like me during this time yeah it it was truly horrific and because I'd had another miscarriage I had to Um, choose between the procedures again so I had the same medical management procedure again my husband did come in with me I don't know if he should have been in there with me but I just said he's coming in with me because we're in our own room and so um, 
I took the tablets again, but I actually started bleeding at home very heavily the day before I was supposed to. And it got to the point where I couldn't stand the pain anymore. So I took my husband took me to hospital the day before I was due to go in for the second half of the procedure because I was just in so much pain and losing so much blood. Um, so that night in the hospital after they kind of examined me, they kept me in overnight because I was due to be in the next day anyway. Um, they started my blood tests um, for for having had recurrent loss, which I think I was very lucky to have such quick action for. Um, but yeah, it was just, it just felt, we've had three now, w- what do we do? Yeah, you need, you need to have action. You get to the point mm-hmm. where you're just like, I can't keep doing this because mm-hmm. I can't keep going through this awful pain and grief. I just mm. want to know what's what's wrong. And I, I feel like there's double cruelty there. COVID, I've been there too when I've had to be in an appointment on my own and all you want is your partner to hold mm-hmm. your hand. And I had to have a nurse when they did the um, pres- uh, operation type thing. I had mm. to have a nurse wiping my tears when I actually... And she was yeah. lovely, but I just wanted my husband there. Yeah. And, he, and it's horrible for them to be in the car park, yeah. not knowing what's going on, not being able to help I you. Know. And the fact that they're sitting in the car park as well, it's just, it's so, it's, it's so horrible and such disregard for them. It's their baby as well. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and, and then I, I also think that the mis- miscarriage is extra cruel as well, because there's no signs that anything's wrong and you're no. going in hoping mm-hmm. that it's going to be okay and you're going to have reassurance. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm quite a positive person generally in life and I feel like miscarriage has taken that away a little bit yeah, and I, I and you then you start expecting the worst and other guests that have talked about recurrent loss are exactly the same they've just become not cynical but just a bit more well very much more anxious and worried for a bad outcome happening because you've been there before mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally my I mean my husband in particular now he 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 really struggles in seeing positives in a lot of things and he he thinks that just in every scenario something something bad's gonna happen like yeah because the worst has happened yeah because the worst has happened to us three times and yeah so now yeah he he really struggles obviously I struggle as well but he he has taken it particularly hard Um, I don't know how long he could have carried on trying I, I don't know yeah he, yeah he found it because it, it's not only for, for men it's not only they're going through it they're watching you go through it as well yeah like the physical side of it is a, is a lot to take as well yeah a, a, and as you said with all the physical things you've talked about as well which I've and each of them are different but horrendous in their own way well they're all mm. horrendous but they've all got parts that are are different and it's the physical trauma your body's recovering as well as mm-hmm. your mentally mm-hmm. um and did you think because I remember sitting in a room when I was having my, my fifth one and I just thought in my head I was like how can this be happening again I sort of was almost looking in on myself going through the experience because you've been through it so many times it's like deja vu the worst mm-hmm. kind of deja vu yeah and you're like surely I've had my bad luck here yeah, totally. And I found with every time we tried, I tried something different that time. Like I ate on this on on our third pregnancy, like green vegetables all day, every day. Like I was having eggs with a side of spinach and stuff like that. Like thinking, oh, if I get enough iron, it'll be okay. If I get enough this, it'll be okay. If I don't exercise, 
it will be okay this time if I do exercise it might it might be different like just trying something different Mm. um I think that's a control thing as well because you fit you just you have no control over it so you're just trying to do things to have some control and trying to make it make it happen and and so and after you had that that third one you said that they they started doing tests which is great because often you have to fight for this which makes it even worse Mm -hmm. because you're like and then also that you have to wait to have three I mean three is a you know one is bad enough but to Mm -hmm. have to wait to have three for them to do any sort of investigations yeah um did, did, did did that uncover anything when they were looking into it no so I had um so when I was in the hospital that night for my third miscarriage they started um some that they could just do there and then so I think it was like the blood clotting disorder and a couple of other ones then my husband and I had to go back into the hospital to have like some other blood tests where they send them away um like the the DNA one and a couple of other ones and no they didn't uncover anything so I received a letter my letter from my consultant saying basically there was no issue um good luck and we'll see you like in the early pregnancy unit when you fall pregnant again which I just thought but I've been there every time and it's not helped it's not changed anything so it's not like I was gaining anything from seeing them early on so I decided to call my doctor and ask if I could have my progesterone levels tested and um they um, reluctantly agreed I kind of said look I'm really keen to have this done Um, because at this time I was also contacting kind of private fertility clinics seeing if there was any other tests that I could have done I just didn't want to put myself through it another time and my husband through it another time Um, so not much came back from the the fertility clinics um a couple of them took a while in getting back to me I think because of covid as well everything was so behind um and obviously the fertility the fertility clinics are doing IVF as well so um I wasn't offered kind of any more more tests from from most of them I think one come back to me and said that there was a few things that they could test for on top of it but I decided to just get my progesterone levels tested to begin with um, and go from there. And, so, and did anything come back in those? Was there an issue with the, the levels? So there, it was in normal range, but it was very low normal. And as it turns out, um, because when you have your progesterone tested, you have to have it, I think, week three of your cycle. So I found out I was actually pregnant. Um, I didn't know that I was pregnant. But so when I had my progesterone tested I was pregnant and so I think it should have been higher than it potentially was so obviously you overthink everything and I think what 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 do I do now how what do I go where do I go from here because the doctor thinks that my levels are normal I called them back and said actually I'm pregnant should they be higher and they said oh like not really because you would have been very early pregnancy so I actually got very lucky in that um, I called the early pregnancy unit like I was told to do when I fell pregnant again and I was only four weeks pregnant but by my cycles I should have been seven weeks pregnant so a very nice lady on reception said oh just come in and we'll have a chat with you and as it turns out the um, the consultant that had done who had arranged my testing was working in the pregnancy unit on Fridays when I had my appointment and so I went in armed with my my letter from the doctors with my progesterone levels 
absolutely terrified because I, I wanted to kind of stand up for, for myself and for us. And we went in and I said, can I try progesterone? And he just said, yeah, we can. We'll, we'll try it. Um, and I, I was expecting to be met with a battle because I've I've heard from people that they've had to battle for these sorts of things. And actually, after my second miscarriage, when I was um, when I went back in for retained tissue, I mentioned progesterone to another lady there and she said, oh, we don't give that here. And so that kind of stopped me from pursuing it perhaps before I should. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I was given a prescription for progesterone there and then and I went and picked it up from the hospital um, chemist and started taking it that day. Yeah, so we went back when I was six weeks pregnant and there was a heartbeat and then again when I was eight weeks and there was a heartbeat. So that was the, the most pregnant that I had ever been. Um, I think he was measuring about eight weeks and six days, so a little head. And they actually discharged me at, at that point. So we went and had another private scan because this was last Christmas now. And um, so we had a private scan about a week before Christmas last year when I was around 11 weeks pregnant, just for more peace of mind and knowing over the Christmas period because we just couldn't do it again. We couldn't have another another Christmas of not knowing and yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I was sat here while you were talking, just shaking my head sort of angrily about why you have to fight for progesterone. I, I have had that same uh, thing as well. And I was only given it on the last time that we tried. And obviously it didn't, it didn't work. But I know, I know it's had so many success stories. I'm like, why do you have to fight? Why can't they just give it to you to even make you feel better that you're taking something to help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know if that's what what helped if that's what made my pregnancy successful I, I I don't know I don't want to say that my first three pregnancies were unlucky because I don't think no. that that is a thing I don't think you get bad luck having three three miscarriages there was there's obviously something going on to cause anyone to have a miscarriage um but I think there there are so many new studies about progesterone coming in from from obviously from Tommy's um and they actually quoted the the prism study um when i was taking my progesterone saying oh actually there actually there is evidence from the prism study that people that have had recurrent loss this this could be this could help so i was determined to tr- try it and yeah like i said i don't know if that's what made the difference um if there was something else going on i don't know but i have my baby now and yeah but you had to fight you had to go in armed with your letter and sort of ask for it I just wish that there would be more care in the system and I'm not Mm -hmm. having a go in any way with the NHS because I think they're amazing and they're they're crippled um you know with resources and things but I just wish there was something in the system to make this sort of a priority for people to give people as much medication or things that could try definitely yeah, it's worth trying. I think if you've had any sort of loss, I think it's worth trying because the mental trauma of enduring loss is so substantial and people probably aren't seeking help from it either, thinking that, oh my, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And for the sake of trying some tablets, um, 
I just think, yeah, they should give them, they should be willingly offering them rather than you having to go in and say, look, I want to try this. Yeah, and you should, yeah, you should be given that support so you're not having to Google and seek advice and look and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be something that you're you're given. And I remember when I started following you on Instagram when you were pregnant at the time and you were talking really openly about your thoughts about being pregnant after loss and how hard it was Mm. were you anxious throughout the whole pregnancy that something was gonna go wrong yeah completely the whole time and because I read a lot of stuff from people that I follow on Instagram um, that have endured loss at varying stages of their pregnancies so termination for medical reasons Um, people that have endured that at 20 plus weeks so when I was around that time so for example when I went to my 20 week scan my husband and I just sat there in absolute silence in the waiting area and then when we went in the sonographer was like oh you like kind of excited to see your baby and we were like no we're really like anxious and she said why and kind of said well I'm worried that there's going to be something wrong with him um like I was just expecting there to be something that was not right the same kind of at the 12 week scan when they do the blood tests um and then throughout the pregnancy I was just every day when when I kind of started feeling him move and especially kind of later on in the pregnancy when movements are more um when movements are bigger I'd be laying on my side in my bed every day eight ten times a day thinking that I couldn't feel him moving when I know that I felt him moving I just wanted like in that moment where I had decided I hadn't felt him move I just needed him to move and obviously they don't do that they kind of move in their in their patterns and when they want to and so I'd be laying on my side and I'd be drinking loads of cold water trying to get him to move and obviously he just wouldn't move when I wanted him to and so we ended up at the hospital a few few times for me thinking that he wasn't moving which is obviously the right thing to do if you think that your baby's not moving you need to go to the hospital but a lot of it was in my head and I know that it was but it was just such a battle throughout the whole pregnancy and from our early scans so we had scans at 6, 8, 11 and 13 weeks our NHS one at 13 weeks and then the progesterone um, when I stopped taking it I had a bleed and that was on New Year's Day so I had to go for another scan which was a battle to get in itself because the early pregnancy unit is closed on New Year's Day um, and no one would see me and I was in the hospital in floods of tears and no one would put a scanner on my belly just to tell me that my baby was okay. In the end, they were so fed up of me that they examined me and told me that my ut- like, that I was everything was still closed um, and so I wasn't actively miscarrying but I was there for about six hours trying to get someone to, to look at me so we had a scanner shortly a couple of days after that I managed to go into the hospital and actually see see Patrick on the screen and then one at 17 weeks 20 weeks and then both scans towards the end of the pregnancy as well so I was just yeah the whole pregnancy was wrapped with anxiety and just fear and even after he was born having read stories of people that lost their baby at birth and people that lost them kind of I'm sure everyone knows Elle from Feathering the Empty Nest. She sadly lost Teddy at four days. And um, you just think, 
is is my baby going to make it to four days? Is he going to make it past four days? You just kind of compare everything to what you've read. And it's completely my fault for, for reading so much. I know my husband would never have been able to look at the resources that I that I looked at. But you're, you're constantly comparing your pregnancy to, yeah, I don't know if you felt the same or... Yeah, I, t- I totally did. I remember, and I, I so mine's slightly different for you, is I had, I had one miscarriage, then I had my daughter, and then I've had four since. So I, I just had one loss um, before her, but I remember the pregnancy. I was really anxious at the start until I could feel her at 20 weeks. Um, and then at the end of the pregnancy was when I got the anxiety really badly again. I was convinced. I was like, I've got this far, but I'm going to lose her. You, you mm-hmm. know, I... I, I just was convinced and mm-hmm. I have to say she's five now but I still get anxious about her because mm-hmm. I still like she's I feel like I'm so blessed to have her but I have to really work on that and not be over anxious about things because I know if I see her fall or do something like she fell into the swimming pool I'm like <gasps> like it's, it's yeah. even more intense because I'm just so anxious about losing her Mm-hmm. I was anxious the whole time and it I, so that's the, 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 the sort of lengthiness of this it just doesn't it increases your anxiety generally as you said with mm-hmm. your husband as well and and I think that's something people don't necessarily realize no no everything yeah every, everything is heightened um, and also what you talked about in terms of your pregnancy being really anxious the whole way through it's that I spoke about it on my Instagram the other day as well. I just envy that 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 loss or going through loss takes away all that glow, joy, yeah. big baby reveal, big, mm-hmm. you know, walking around and bump pictures and everything. It just yeah. takes that all that away from your experience of pregnancy. And I do really envy the people that have not experienced it and they can just enjoy every minute of their yeah. pregnancy because they haven't either had to try forever to get there or they haven't been through loss that makes them anxious when they become pregnant again it's just is that is that how you felt when yeah it's it's really difficult because obviously the first time that I fell pregnant I can't I did a test at home my husband was on his way home from work and so I kind of like gave him a little surprise it was nothing like spectacular you know like what some people do recording it or anything like that but that's that's the only time that that's ever happened and after that it was just met with tears and fear and the second time there was still a little bit of oh what if this could this could happen for us but I remember when we tested on our fourth one which is obviously little Patrick um my husband it was kind of almost like a heated environment so just just go and do a test just go and do one so I did one he waited outside the bathroom and I just almost pushed past him and said it's positive and I just started crying and I called my mum and I was like it's positive I can't do this I can't do this again I don't want to do this again and it was just horrific that number one I had to tell Josh and my mum like that it's it's horrible that we didn't get to have that moment as a family that you see so many people get and it's like you, you know when you go on Instagram and when you post about baby stuff the algorithm obviously pushes all this stuff back to you and so you see so many nice videos of this that and the other but this time we on our fourth pregnancy we decided to not tell Josh's my husband's parents and so or his family so we kind of really wanted it to work out so we decided we're gonna wait 
and we were going to tell them on New Year's Day, which is when I started bleeding after I stopped taking my progesterone. And so we, so like I said earlier, I was in A&E for hours and hours and we were supposed to go for a walk with his family and we were going to tell them and it was going to be lovely that we were finally going to have this moment. And like I said, I started bleeding and it ended up with my husband calling his parents and saying, we had a scan yesterday, everything was fine. And today we've woken up and Kelly's bleeding and we think that we're losing this baby. And it's just awful. So it just took it away from you again, yeah, that kind of yeah. joy of being able to just one day yeah. where you could, where you were planning on telling them. Yeah, and it was the one day of the year where the early pregnancy unit is closed and there's no sonographers in the hospital. <laughs> it just, yeah, I want to say that it was bad luck, but there's, there's, there's too many things that are unlucky almost in this, this scenario. And it, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. So... And this is obviously in the height of um, COVID as well. In the was it was there a lockdown at the beginning of this year? Yeah, there was, wasn't there? So I was in A and E by myself, and my husband was in the car. Peanut was in the car with him, and like I said, I was in there for about five hours. So he didn't know what was going on, and he had obviously messaged his family to say, "Actually, we can't meet up." But apparently, they all thought that I was pregnant and that things were going okay. They'd kind of figured it out. And so when we cancelled and said we're at the hospital, they kind of thought something something's not right here. So, yeah. yeah, it was just all I've never had that moment now. I don't know if I ever will have that moment. Um, nice. I get incredibly sad when I see people announcing pregnancies that that hasn't gone away. Um me too I cried this week I saw a couple and I just was like I can't I can't and it oh I just yeah I totally get it I totally get it it's really hard I don't think it'll ever go away no no absolutely not and and we were the same when we had our last when we got pregnant with our last baby we did a test and literally there was no I just cried um Mm. I said to my husband straight away don't think about it we're not talking about it we're not telling anyone I don't Mm. want to think about it It, and it was almost like the big barriers and the big sort of protection armor came around me and I was just like an ice queen about it or crying being an ice queen but crying at the same time Mm -hmm. it was like a self-protection thing yeah you tell yourself I'm not going to get attached yeah but But you do you you obviously are because there's a baby inside you and no matter what gestation they are they're still your baby yeah and obviously not many people can well I, I found in my experience not too many people understand that but they are still your baby no matter how how early you, you lose them and you can't help but get attached to them whether it's four weeks six weeks 20 weeks yeah exactly and you've talked quite I mean it's so strange you've had a lot of your I mean your your three losses have all been around Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year and you talked actually on your Instagram this week because you've just um had a little family trip away mm-hmm. to Prague um is that because you wanted to create sort of new memories with Patch and try and not and Patrick and not try and yeah have a different sense around Christmas compared to all the loss that you've experienced yeah yeah so Christmas obviously for the past three years has been even though I was pregnant last year I was still incredibly anxious so for the past three Christmases I've just been filled with sadness and yeah there's just been an overshadow of 
of loss and sadness and even this year kind of our, our third baby would have been turning one two days after Christmas was when they would have been due so um we've we've always loved Christmas and before we started trying for babies we enjoyed going to Christmas markets in Europe and just making the most of, of Christmas time really and so we've had three incredibly sad Christmases where I haven't felt like I've been able to do much like I love ice skating and going and doing things like that and I haven't been able to do it because I've either been well I've been pregnant or in the build-up to period in the build-up period to Christmas for the past three years I've been pregnant so I haven't been able to do anything like that and my husband's incredibly anxious when I am pregnant be it these early days or throughout my whole pregnancy with Patrick that he hasn't wanted me to do anything too over exertion like anything that's requires any overexertion so we've had three very quiet and horrible Christmases so this year yeah we wanted to to kind of do something that we would have done before um I say before when we were when we didn't know loss um that with loss there's like you probably found this before loss and after loss you're two different people before these so we wanted to do something that we would have done before loss so we decided to take Patrick to Prague um unfortunately the Christmas markets were cancelled about a week before um we went due to kind of the ongoing situation but um we decided to go anyway and just make the most and yeah we love traveling be it at Christmas time or any other time of the year so we've always been really passionate about kind of getting him on a plane as soon as we can and showing him the world so yeah we were really pleased to be able to go and and make kind of our first on holiday experience with Patrick. I'm glad you got to go away too um but it doesn't make you know you're still thinking about things from the past but just Mm -hmm. trying to yeah I totally get it in terms of your old life I remember my husband once saying I just want old Emma back and I was in my head I was thinking I don't know if old Emma exists anymore. No no I I, yeah we're, we're both completely the same but we are both a different different people now and I think we're more empathetic towards others um but a lot sadder in ourselves different just very different people and we yeah we just both think that the worst is going to happen in every scenario I think yeah I totally get that and that that's kind of leading on to the next point about we said it at the start once you I think people think once you get that that hopeful ending, you get that rainbow baby, which we're both lucky to have, mm. the trauma then suddenly disappears. But that, that really isn't the case, is it? No, definitely not. And while that the immediacy, like the immediate pain that you have, physical and mentally, when you have a miscarriage, kind of that pain fades. There's always an underlying pain there grief you've lost a baby at the end of the day and they're always going to be there and so no matter if I went on to have like five more successful pregnancies you know I would still always remember my three babies I'm never going to forget them I'm never going to forget what we went through um but yeah a lot of people just think that oh you've got a baby now um great and everything should be dandy but it's definitely not it's all the crap sentences that start with at least at least you've yeah. got your baby now yeah well yeah, totally and, and I I see that I'm very lucky to have that but mm. but I still think what would that baby have been like especially if you've got friends or 
mm-hmm. other people around you having babies at a similar time. You, I, I look at my nieces, for example, who would be are uh, uh, exactly a two and two and a half, and I would have a child that would be two and a half as well, and mm-hmm. you wonder what they would be like. And yeah, I think that's totally normal, and this is still scars from the trauma that you've been through, even if you do go on to have something mm-hmm. happy. Do you do things to sort of commemorate particular dates for you with your babies other things that you like do you think do you have a cry yeah we do we do have a cry so my mum last year bought us three shooting stars for our Christmas tree um obviously having lost around Christmas time they're really special kind of sitting sitting on the Christmas tree and last year she bought us a little rainbow for Patrick but we couldn't bear put put it on our tree last year but it is there this year so we we always light a candle on the dates um that should have been or the dates that we lost and all of our babies have names um and we we talk about them as if they they are they are babies we we mention them in in sentences and um yeah we just try to honor them by giving Patrick the best life that we can and doing doing our best in in every day really um it's a very hard situation because um I read this from someone that I follow on Instagram with her rainbow baby and she said it's it's a really horrible feeling because if you hadn't have lost um if we we hadn't have lost kind of our last two babies we were or three babies even um we wouldn't have Patrick and that's a really really hard thing to comprehend as well um yeah that yeah, is hard it's... actually isn't it because I, I thought that too if my first pregnancy had worked I wouldn't have Millie and then you can't imagine mm. your life without them but you still feel sad about the baby before and yeah. that's okay it's a weird mm-hmm. yeah it's totally a strange yeah and yeah you don't know what almost what to be sad about that yeah it's it's really difficult there's, there's nothing about any of it that's not difficult I, I love how you you keep it alive like that and I think that's really important and I think it's important for people to hear that because I think sometimes people think sometimes people who haven't been through it look at you like you're crazy doing that why would you do that mm-hmm. and we haven't named our four of our babies but we named our fifth one because we found out um, the gender of her and I, I actually ordered a, a, a bauble with her name on it Mm-hmm. which should be coming soon and my husband even my husband was I think he finds it too hard so for him he's like oh Emma are you sure and I said yeah and I, and we actually had a slight argument about it because I was like yes she's important to me and I know she's mm-hmm. important to you and I know you find this hard but for me I want her to be part of our story on the tree mm-hmm. as well so and I think that's important to, because they did matter you did love them they'll always be yeah. part of your story so mm-hmm. having talking about it and making them real I think is important as well so yeah yeah and I think as Patrick when he's older we we will tell him about his brother we don't we never found out kind of genders they were so early on but um we say that we've got one one boy and two little girls and we will tell him about his brothers and his sister sisters when he's older um just yeah. just so he knows I think I, I do the same with Millie um because she, she got to this point where she was asking about brothers and sisters and also she was seeing mummy upset and mm-hmm. I didn't want her to worry that she thought something I was really ill in hospital or something so I have mm-hmm. told her and even the other day she drew a little picture of Maya and you know like I, I th- and again people might think I'm crazy but for me it is you know I'd rather be open with her she's at an mm-hmm. age where she sort of understands yeah um 
and I think that's important to know that mm-hmm. she knows what what happened and that mummy yeah. mummy's trying to have another baby to have mm-hmm. a brother or sister but it's just mummy's it's not happened mm. um and then I guess a sort of final question to talk about is what advice would you give to others you know you 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 both you and Josh have gone through so much and somehow you managed to keep going keep trying mm-hmm. and you got there in the end through you know I call it it's a battle it's a complete mm-hmm. battle with yourself with mm-hmm. what's going on um is there any advice you'd give to people to not give up hope and how to keep going and pushing through that pain and keep hoping that 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 happy ending is going to happen it's very very hard to give advice because I feel like we went through points where we almost gave up when I was pregnant with Patrick before I had the first early scan I was convinced that I'd lost him and or that he he wasn't going to to grow and I remember um Josh and I walking on Holcomb Beach and we we talked about adoption and where do we go from here do we give up do we not give up do we try one more time but I feel like once you're on that path of trying it's really really hard to not give up I would have gone through it time and time and time again I think I would have put myself through it just thinking next time next time next time um but the one thing that has helped me is being so open about it and um being able to talk talk about what I've been through openly has helped me no end I know not everyone's the same and some people can't open up but if you can talk about it as kind of partners um, if you can talk to your mom if you know a friend who's been through similar or some even a friend who's really supportive um, just being able to talk it through with someone does really really help Um, I think as a couple you know when enough is enough you know if you can go through it again only you know that if you need time take your time if you don't need time that's fine um yeah I just think you in in this situation you just do what you you have to do and if you need to battle with your doctors to get tests to try progesterone they will give it to you um it might be a battle but they will give it to you and just be persistent in in that case and um be persistent in trying to get seen in the early pregnancy unit I mean the ones at the Norfolk and Norwich help me no end um but if if you sit at home and you don't tell anyone that you're going through this then um it's gonna be as hard as it sounds it's gonna be harder for um the system to help you um in in the future if you need the help so I definitely recommend speaking to someone anyone yeah definitely talking has helped me as well I just mm-hmm. need and I've, I found it hugely helpful and mm-hmm. and also if anyone's listening that hasn't been through it but wants to be a support to people what did you find helpful from um friends or family what what helped you the most in terms of support from others that was it was good or or you wish you'd had if it didn't if it didn't happen that way so I can tell people what they shouldn't do and that is don't say what we were talking about earlier at least you know you can get pregnant at least this at least that 
it's the worst thing that anyone can ever say to you because you you don't know if you can carry a baby before I had Patrick I didn't know if I'd ever be able to carry a baby um so a few people said to me oh at least at least you know you can get pregnant but that that meant kind of almost nothing to me because I didn't know that I could carry a baby listen if you've got a friend that's going through it just listen to them um if they if they want to talk let them talk and just just listen and do do what you can I mean I I didn't on my first miscarriage barely talked about it to anyone and um yeah it was it was the worst possible decision that I could have made but um yeah just just be there for them and if they want to talk to you they will talk to you just acknowledge it yeah it's acknowledge yeah acknowledgement and it's almost yeah not trying to I think as soon as you try to comfort someone in with the at least it 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 all kind of goes a bit wrong from there yeah basically no sentence should start with that ever never say at least anything because it's not at least it's terrible Mm mm-hmm well, thank you. I'm sorry you've been through such trauma, but thank you for coming on to talk about your lovely babies and your experience and also all you do on your Instagram account to sort of share and make people feel less alone and that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a horrible thing to go through and just raising more awareness about it, is, it and, and also yeah. sharing your experience today, Kelly, because it's, it's not easy to talk about, but no. by sharing it helps so many other people feel not alone and that's so Absolutely. important. Yeah, I, I always say, and when I first started talking about it openly, my husband was a bit like oh but I've always said if I can help one person feel less alone I will have achieved something that will make all the difference um yeah just to make one person feel less alone or make one person feel like actually I can I can talk about this this to someone that's so important well you've definitely done that and more with your account and via this episode today so thank you so much again yeah thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. I hope you found it helpful and indeed hopeful. Do give, leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast and give us a follow on social media, the Hopes and Dreams podcast, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you again in 2022. Thanks for listening. <laughs>